We're going to talk about this, may your kingdom come. I wonder when you last prayed this. Okay, when did you last pray, may your kingdom come? It may not have been in those words because Jesus was actually giving us a, a heading. And your words may have been, Lord, please touch my husband, my daughter, my wife. May have been, Lord, please help the people at work to see Jesus. Oh, Lord, will you heal? Lord, will you bring relief from this oppression that's on this person? You may have been praying that. Perhaps you're praying it every day. That's just wonderful because Jesus said, get on with it, you know, do it. But what does it look like? What does the kingdom look like when it comes? Because it, I could give you a, a dictionary definition of the kingdom or a theological definition of the kingdom of God and it wouldn't be that helpful. Um, yes, it's where the rule of Jesus is, where the rule of the Father is, but that's a bit theoretical. What does it really look like? So we're going to look at that today. And we're reading this. Uh, you don't need to turn to it in your Bibles because it's on the screen. And uh, I'm going to read this to you. This is Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 to 6. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah... He sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the good news is preached or proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So let's, let's picture John in prison, shall we? I've got a picture to help us. You might or might not be able to see that very well. Here's a picture of John in prison. And poor guy, he's been living a pretty rough life in the desert. Thousands have been coming to him and he's been baptizing with a baptism of repentance and he's been pointing to Jesus. And now he's in prison, he's actually on death row. And I'd be pretty de depressed as well in that situation. And really his question was, are you the king? Are you the king we're expecting? Because John would have been reading in the book of Isaiah think, passages like this. Behold, a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule in justice. He must have been thinking, hey, the Romans will be swept away again. The kingdom will come back to Israel and all will be well again because the Messiah is here. And then he saw what Jesus did. And perhaps he became disappointed. He felt let down. Jesus hadn't showed up the way he thought he would. He, perhaps he hadn't really considered that uh, description of the suffering servant that Pete read out just earlier, that there was nothing about the appearance of the suffering servant that would draw us to him. Uh, there was nothing particularly amazing, uh, but nevertheless he was a suffering servant who came to die. So Jesus replied to him, and he told the disciples of John to go back and speak with him, and, and report what they'd seen. In other words, Jesus wasn't bringing ideas to him. 
he was stating facts because the, the parallel passage in Luke's Gospel at this point says that at that moment Jesus did all sorts of amazing things. Lots of blind people began to see uh, and sick were healed and it was all happening. So Jesus wasn't saying something theoretical. He was saying, go and tell John, this is it. What he's really saying is this is what the kingdom's like. And I think we need to get this into our hearts increasingly. How do we do church? How do we do mission? You know, Tim here could probably tell you the way Heidi Baker plants churches, she sends a team out into the bush and they, they preach Jesus and heal the sick and then they plant a church and then they move on. That's right, isn't it, Tim? Yeah. Uh, what's changed? You know, Jesus is still the same. People are still saved and, and the message of commission is still the same because Jesus said go into all the world and make disciples uh, teaching them to do everything that I've commanded you. What did he command the disciples to do? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Pretty simple. In other words, there's a real dependency upon the power of God if we're to be doing church the way Jesus actually intends. So let's look at some of these. The blind receive sight. Now, I've never seen someone regain their sight after prayer. Has anyone in the room see that, seen that? Anyone seen a miracle of blind eyes opened? Well, let's get praying, folks. Uh, because it's, it's happening. I'm sure Heidi Baker's doing it. I'm sure that's happening. But it's not just the physical eyes, you know. It's the inward eye. Uh, because Jesus elsewhere said, he, he said, for judgment I've come into the world, that the blind may see, and that those who see may become blind. Bit different, isn't it? He's talking spiritually now. He's talking of the human heart. And the Pharisees, who he was talking to, said, you must be talking about us. And Jesus said, well, actually, um, because you say you see, your guilt remains. Because blind people need a saviour. They need a healer. And they go to the healer, and God helps them. But the Pharisees weren't doing that. They're saying, yeah, we've got it all. And, yeah, there's an inward blindness. And at Connect Group this week, we were talking about what it is to be born again. And uh, I read out something that C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, Surprised by Joy. Uh, because C.S. Lewis, he was a very brilliant thinker, and his his uh, town was Oxford, and he was an atheist. He did not believe in God. He was pretty clear on that, but God was at work in his heart. And this is what he wrote in his book. I was driven to Whipsnade Zoo one sunny morning. When we set out, I did not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And when we reached the zoo, I did. Yet I had not exactly spent the journey in thought, nor in great emotion. Emotional is perhaps the last word we can apply to some of the most important events. It was more like when a man, after a long sleep, lying motionless in bed, becomes aware that he is now awake. It's an awakening. It's once I was blind, now I can see. What made the difference? God did something. It was miraculous. Yeah, so 
yeah, we are looking for God to open inward eyes as well to see the Saviour. The lame walk. And, yep, there are a lot of people with mobility problems. You know, I've sometimes helped patients into the chair. They've got their frame, their walking frame, and they sit in my dental chair and I have to help them in. Yeah, it's a common problem. Uh, But Jesus was healing them. He was making them walk. And one thing about uh, Mark Marx, who is the founder of Healing on the Streets, uh, he likes to lengthen legs. <laughs> okay. And uh, he will sit someone on a chair, just like you're sitting, but instead of crossing your legs, he'll get you to stick them out. And he will support them in his hands. And I'm going to just show you a before and after. Uh, you may be able to see that. This is the lady. I'll show you where the left heel reaches just there and the right heel reaches there, okay? Um, You might or might not be able to see that. This is after he's prayed and commanded the leg to lengthen. That's the the right heel, that's the left heel. Now, this video is on YouTube and you can pick it up if you put in Mark Marks, M-A-R-X, healing on the streets and you'll be able to find this one. It's less than a minute from the moment that he started talking and the leg was equal length. And the lady said, "My back, the back pain's gone. So this is just wonderful that God is doing these things in our day and age. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. Now, we don't meet many people with leprosy, but in fact this is a skin disease. It's, the biblical term is a skin disease. Um, any skin disease. The thing about people with skin disease in the Old Testament uh, and, and the time of Jesus was that they, they were rejected. They were out of the city. They would not be allowed in the temple. They could not, not come near to God. And I'll tell you, there are loads of people in our community who are experiencing rejection because of their condition. And even recently, the minister was saying on television, Mental illness is an increasing problem and we need to do more. And so let's pray. Let's ask God. Uh, There are immense, immense needs out there and people are being separated from people as a result result of these. The deaf hear. Now, Pete was, only a few weeks ago, Pete stood here and he he said, I'm deaf, completely deaf. Please pardon me if I don't respond to you but I'm deaf. Now, what's happened? Okay, well, um, yeah, on that Sunday, I couldn't hear a thing. That ear was totally deaf. And then, uh, I think it was Mary, actually. Mary came up to me, and she, a number of you prayed for my ear, and nothing happened immediately. Then Mary said, I've got a word from God for you, and part of it is that the enemy has put a sharp thing in your ear, but God is going to just take it out. And uh, the following Tuesday... Uh, I was in a uh, ear, nose, and throat specialist room, and uh, I'd been told by the hospital and told by various other doctors, "No, you've got uh, Meniere's disease. You're, you know, you, you probably won't get hearing back. You may not get hearing back in the ear, and there may be even be a worse problem. We need to give you a scan." Um, but on that Tuesday, uh, yeah, the, the the ear, nose, and throat guy said, "Let's have one more look. Let's have a, have a look." And he dug in, and and pulled a lot of stuff out and bang, it was totally, totally clear. So I felt like something had been ripped out of the side of my head. Just like Mary had said, it was a very, very clear 
It was wonderful, yeah. So I'm fine. So were our prayers answered? Yes. Um, the fact that Pete had to go to a clinician is okay. And I'll tell you, I've worked more than 40 years in clinical work, and I'm glad of the skills that God gives to me and other medics and dentists and who knows what, physios in the field. They are so valuable, and we don't despise that at all. And God can bless you through it as well as you go, uh, as was the case here. So uh, expect help from the clinician, but help, expect help from the Lord as well. Wonderful. Uh, I'm going to read to you something. This was a miraculous healing uh, that happened over six years ago. I want to apologise to start with that it's over six years ago. I know a church in the UK that won't allow testimonies more than two weeks old. And I'm praying that we will get to that point here. Okay. Um, okay, what happened was um, I was praying about a Sunday meeting coming up in England, this was. Uh, and I was asking the Lord to heal. And the Lord said to me, in my heart, not a voice, in my heart, he said, I want to open the ears of the deaf. And so I thought, okay. So I went along on Sunday and looked for the, uh, the one person that I knew was deaf. His name was Brian. He'd got hearing aids. And um, he wasn't there. <laughs> so oh, that's the end of that. So I waited another week. And that, uh, I looked around, and there was Brian with his hearing aids sitting in the congregation. Uh, but during the service, there was a time when the leaders said, right, we're going to have a time of praying for each other, so if, if you want to be prayed for, stick your hand up and people around you will pray. Um, and so we had some, uh, about five or ten minutes, and I went straight to Brian, and I said, Brian, would you like me to pray for your ears? And he said, yes, please. So I did, and I, I really commanded, I said, be opened in Jesus' name. That was really it. Um, pr prayed my best, best prayer and walked away. Then nothing happened uh, for a week, and then I got an email forwarded to me by the church leaders um, from Brian. Uh, and the subject is God is good. <laughs> okay. Hi all. Here's some good news to give glory to God and encourage us to keep on praying. Sunday before last, John Buckerfield prayed for my hearing to improve. There was some improvement immediately, but I still needed my hearing aids. I noticed some changes in the following days. I could now understand speech more clearly. Because I had lost high-frequency hearing, I had particular problems with understanding female voices. Ever had that problem, guys? <laughs> I could now understand even when they spoke very quietly. I think God really blessed him. <laughs> I worked for a few days. I could hear better but still had to use my hearing aids. One great relief was that I no longer had to wear a hearing aid at night because I could hear the alarm clock again. I hadn't been able to for several months. One morning it had sounded for nearly an hour before I woke and it was a few, I was a few minutes late for work. Then this morning, as I left my hotel in Ipswich, there was a dramatic change. As I rolled my suitcase over the stone floor in the reception, I felt embarrassed that it was so noisy. I hadn't heard that noise previously, even 
with my hearing aids. Then outside I actually covered my ears because the traffic noise was too loud. Having arrived home, I was hearing so many new things. I heard a car door closing across this street. I heard letters dropping through the letterbox downstairs. I never had the, I'd, I'd never had the DVD players set so low. In fact, I could not tolerate loud noises. It's clear that if I'd had this level of hearing yesterday, I would have found the noise level at work intolerable. I'm gradually adjusting to much greater sound reception Anyone want a pair of hearing aids? Yeah. Now, who did the healing? Who did the healing? Jesus. Jesus. Wonderful. It was, I, I, I can fix teeth. I, I don't do ears. Yeah. So, that was miraculous because we're talking of nerve deafness. It's, it's a very significant thing. Um, let's pray that the deaf may hear. Hey. The dead are raised. Again, Heidi Baker is probably the authority on this in Africa. Um, I, you may know that the New Frontiers family of churches, of which we're a member, was begun by Terry Virgo, a, a church leader in the UK. And he visited the USA once and uh, he went to St. Louis where he met a man who'd been raised from the dead. And this guy was... Um, He'd been a drug addict, he'd been walking down the street and he, he just collapsed at the roadside and he died. And his story was that he felt he was falling on his back through a dark, like a well. He was just falling, falling, falling and he, he felt the lid of the well clanged shut on the top and he was still falling. And then as he fell, he said, I felt it was like hands underneath me began to raise me up and I could hear the lid of the well opening and suddenly I was awake again. Anyway, what had actually happened was that a, a member of the local church there had been walking down the street and seen this guy lying down, had gone over, the cop said, uh, don't, don't go near him, he's dead. He's died, he's a drug addict. He's died. So anyway, this... Um, not to be dissuaded, this church member prayed for him, stuck a, a church leaflet in his pocket and walked away. And the story is uh, wonderful, isn't it, that he went to the church and he found Jesus uh, after God had miraculously raised him. And yeah, wonderful. So that's in, in the West, it's not in Africa, it's in, we in the West. Um, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Now, there are two sorts of poor people. There are people who are short of money and there are people who are poor spiritually, poor in spirit, actually. Uh, they need God in their lives. So let's look at the good news. God loves you. Isn't that great? That's number one, top of the list every time. If you want to tell someone the, the good news, God loves you. You can't say it too much. He sent his son Jesus to live and to do wonderful things, healing, show the way to know God and then to die on our behalf to take the penalty of sin, rise from the dead and to bring us to God the Father and give us the gift of life forevermore. And last of all, he gives his spirit so you can know his presence 
and have the power to live for him and love him. Why is it desirable that God's kingdom come? God is honoured. God is glorified. And that's really what it's about. God is glorified. The lost are found. Not everybody will turn to Jesus, but an awful lot will. And you don't know until you start telling them the good news. Um, Paul wrote that um, the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. Right? In other words, if they hear it, some will respond. Not all, but some. If they believe, they will be saved. They'll, they'll have that experience that C.S. Lewis had. And the saints of all, and all of heaven rejoices. Um, I don't know if you've done something... Um, if you've done something that has helped the kingdom come, perhaps you've given your testimony to someone. Don't you feel good, hey? You've had an opportunity. Someone's listening to you and you say, this is what happened to me. Uh, afterwards, it's great. I remember the first time I actually prayed for someone at work, and it's a little while back, um, but I was working in a big dental practice in the UK, and uh, I'd finished the morning shift and I was about to go home, and as I walked towards the staff room, I found that the head receptionist was walking there as well. I said, oh, have you finished as well? She said, no, I've got a terrible migraine, I've got to go home. So we, we went to the staff room and I said, look, can I pray for you, Caroline? And she said, yep. So I didn't touch her, we sat down, I put my head about that far above her head, and I said, migraine, go away, in the name of Jesus. I said a few other things as well, but then after a minute I said, how is it Caroline? And she said, well it's gone. And she said, I could feel heat on the top of my head. Now my, my hand was way up. I said, well I guess you've got to go back to work now then. <laughs> <laughs> and, she, and she said, yes you're right. <laughs> so she did. <laughs> But I tell you, I felt wonderful after that. I thought, ooh. So anyway, I headed home, but I, I popped in on Pete. Pete was our pastor in England at the time there. And I went into the church office, which was at Warrenside in those days. And, and, and I shared it with him. And we sort of did it, yes. This is what it's about. This is the stuff. This is the kingdom coming. Does that, is everyone healed? Not at the moment. Uh, but does that stop us praying? No. Um, you know, what's my part in the kingdom coming? The first thing is what we've been talking about, prayer. Asking God, let your kingdom come. You know, Jesus said that we had to be persistent in prayer. We almost had to badger the Heavenly Father. Um, and it's not because he's unwilling, unwilling, it's because this is the way it works, folks. And Jesus said, knock and go on knocking. We, we're trying to overcome something, we keep knocking on that door, we keep asking, we keep seeking. And he said, you're going to find, you find. Being available, just saying, Lord, here am I, send me. Trying doors. I'm not saying knocking on doors. I'm saying trying doors. And it's a metaphorical thing. Uh, because I don't know if you've 
ever tried knocking on doors to tell people about Jesus. I've done it twice. I find it so hard. In fact, I am so far from rest and peace that I shouldn't be there, really. Uh, it's, it's just not the way. That's why I love healing on the streets, because they come to us. They, it's like a contract. They sit in the chair. They're allowing us to pray for them. Uh, and we, we did see some healings the one time we've done it at, um, on the, at the Festival of the Elements. So, yeah, we do try doors. Um, we look for new initiatives and see where God is leading us. And getting involved in active evangelism. I was so thrilled to hear about Alpha this week. Uh, I gathered 10 people, 10 guests came on Alpha this week. That's just wonderful. And, and we continue to pray that God touches many hearts. Then Jesus said something very strange. He said, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. In other words, he was saying to John, yes, I know it's not worked out the way you thought it did, but don't fall away. <laughs> don't fall away. And you know, there are things in life, there are disappointments, there's bereavement, death of loved ones, setbacks, things go wrong, money problems. And you know, we've got a choice, haven't we? We can turn to Jesus or we can turn away from him. The first time someone I, I really loved died, and this is why I get a bit emotional, Sam Burroughs was a, he, he, he led a, a, a Sunday school in the middle of Birmingham in the UK and he was a faithful guy he wasn't very charismatic he was, wasn't very flowery but he loved the kids and he taught, taught them about Jesus and I, I helped him for nearly two years going every Sunday to uh, the middle of the slum area in Birmingham and we had these poor kids and they were all nationalities West Indian, Indian, Italian you know the whole works occasionally English people and Sam was a great guy he was 32 And he, he had diabetes and he was put in the hospital and I went to see him. I didn't know, I'd never see him again. So at his funeral I was just pouring from my eyes and I thank God that I turned to Jesus at the time. I didn't turn away. And in fact, I said, Lord, give me a double portion of his spirit. I wasn't sure what I was asking really, but I knew that he was doing something good. He was sharing Jesus with people. And, and the kids were getting something amazing. You know, a real security was coming to their lives, something constant in their lives, in the poverty. Uh, and he was showing them the way to God. And yeah, I said, Lord, I, I want a double portion. Because we've got a choice, haven't we? We can turn away from God. In when things don't seem to work out or we can turn to Jesus himself and find comfort and help in time of need and it may be you know sometimes you think oh things aren't doing too well in church or the church leaders ought to do this and, well don't stumble over that one <laughs> that's irrelevant who's building the church it's Jesus 
our job is to go out and reach the lost. So how do we respond to this? I found this a real challenge when I read it. How do we respond to it? I don't want to stumble because things haven't worked out the way I thought Jesus was going to do it. Um, if you're a Christian, well, pray about it. Come to him. Share it with brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and God can help us through. We don't have to fall away just because things don't work out right. Or perhaps you're not a Christian and you're thinking, well, I've had real hardship in my life. Well, I'll tell you, I, I know that we all get hardship at different times in our lives. I would much rather do it linked to, to Jesus than not. Because, you know, Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the picture is unequal yoking, perhaps an ox and a donkey, a strong, a strong uh, uh, animal pulling the plough or the cart, and a donkey yoked alongside. But guess what? You're the donkey, all right? We are invited to be yoked to Jesus. Uh, and he said, my yoke is easy because I'm taking the load and I will help you through. And if you're not a Christian, well, I want you to consider um, come to Jesus. <laughs> Believe the gospel uh, and prove him that his word is true, that he does come alongside to help, that he does bring us through difficulties doesn't take difficulties from us. It's not a bed of roses. But he's with us always. And I just want to finish now and say, be encouraged. God's kingdom is coming. Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom will be preached through the whole world and then the end will come. When he said this gospel, he didn't just say the gospel. He said this gospel. And what was he doing? He was doing everything that we've been talking about the signs, the wonders, the things that point to Jesus and the good news that a saviour has come and died in your place and in mine to give us life forevermore. Wonderful. Uh, I want us to stand up and pray. Before I hand over to Pete, I want to lead you in a prayer of commitment to the Lord, which is a prayer of acceptance of Jesus, receiving Jesus. Uh, and you've done this probably many times before. Uh, all I'm asking you to do is, if you believe it, say Amen at the end. Uh, and, but if you've not done this seriously before God, if you've never done this, um, I'm inviting you to do it perhaps for the first time and give your life to Jesus and say, come in and guide me through this difficult world that we live in. Lord Jesus, I know that I have done wrong in my thoughts, words and actions. There are good things I haven't done and wrong things that I have done. I'm sorry for my wrongdoings and I turn from everything I know, know to be wrong. You gave your life upon the cross for me. Gratefully, I give my life back to you 
Now I ask you to come into my life. Come in as my saviour to cleanse me. Come in as, as my Lord to direct my life. Come as, in as my friend to be with me. Come with your spirit to empower me. And I will follow you all the remaining years of my life, learning to do the things that you do. Amen.